Hey y'all, we're back. Really excited to share a conversation today with Katie Burnett, a wonderful and central figure at the heart of the public life and civic affairs of Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville is a place that in many ways animates the cultural and social life of the state, the flagship land-grant university, and it finds itself today uh, as a political football at the edge of a hardcore attack on local government in and in a local community from the state government here in Tallahassee. We're very excited. We appreciate Katie's work and for her coming on. And um, thanks for listening to Tropical Depression. More soon. crises that permeate contemporary Florida, few of them stack up to what's going on in Gainesville. Gainesville is such a special case right now. A special place, a special breed, um, and few Floridians more special in Alaska County than our guest today, <laughs> Katie Burnett. How are you doing, Katie? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks Excited to be on. here. Uh, I guess we'll just jump just right, on, right into it. What, in your approximation, you've worked around, I can't even think of them all, dozens of Gainesville area and North Central Florida political races, uh, work closely with county commissioners, municipal elected officials, state legislative folks, um, school board, crucially, members. In a word, what is going on in Gainesville? They are taking us over. We are trying, they are trying to erase Gainesville from the map, which is really exciting. We have a utility there called Gainesville Regional Utility, Mm -hmm. and FPNL wants it. And so instead, they tried in 2018 to do a ballot referendum that would put in a sort of authority board. And they've taken that idea. And now the legislature last session decided to go in and make a governor appointed board. And so they are taking over responsibility for GRU, which has made all of these problems with our city charter. The lawyers are having a field day with this, but now the new rumor is that they're going to legislatively go in and revoke our entire city charter. So probably the most nuclear option possible. Um, I'll I'll take a step back for our listeners. So, you know, across the state of Florida in our 400 plus municipalities, 67 counties, everyone basically pays one electric utility company. And there's a few places like maybe a dozen or 15 Jacksonville being, I think, the largest or second largest one. Yeah. Um, and there are just a few municipal-run, uh, publicly-owned um, municipal uh, utilities. And they're taking them over. The state the state government, which we've talked about on the show many times, very, very, very tilted in the direction of investor-owned utilities like Florida Power yes. & Light. Um, how has that felt? In Gainesville, how does it feel right now to be under and in, in sort of in the shadow of a state takeover of a major public function? So obviously it's not the best feeling. Um, we worked really hard to elect politicians to work to make our energy as green as possible. We have the cleanest energy in the state of Florida in Gainesville. You know, most utilities right now are operating in the low teens. We're at 34% of the energy that our city uses is renewable, wow. which is amazing. Yeah. And so to just have the state go in and have their big government hand come in and try to swoop away our 
very existence. It's a little discouraging. What exactly? So you and I are both at this meeting. And I think yeah. I, I'd like to spend, you know, this hour or so kind of fleshing out some of the bigger moves that are happening here. In the dark of night, sort of um, in one obscure process, which was a hearing on what's called a local bill. Yeah, which is supposed to be done in district. So it was one of those where the representative, who is Chuck Clemens, he put in a placeholder bill that didn't have the language for the bill. And so he didn't add the language until the week before you and I were up there, which was close to the end of session. Mm-hmm. So About we didn't through session. We didn't know sudden, what we were major fighting. Just drops out of the sky. Yeah. And it was rumored. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. He wouldn't take meetings. He wouldn't talk to the local elected officials. He's just like, yeah, this is coming, but it's not going to be a big deal. And then it was introduced and it was a huge deal. And because he's, you know, minority or majority whip right now in the legislative session, they were allowed to waive all of the rules. So a major decision that affects hundreds of thousands of of, of residents, a really well-established public function within a century plus old uh, city incorporated under the state government. So they wouldn't even come to Gainesville to talk about the bill. They insisted that, you know, interested parties drive up here, come to the basement and, you know, at 7 a.m. Yeah. To discuss. And so um, tell us a little bit about the first. So, so this major takeover, the state legislative fiat basically taking over uh, a, a, an electric utility that belongs to the people, belongs to the public yeah. through an elected board, the city, the Gainesville City Commission. Yep. That's ongoing. We know that rules were abrogated. Things were public comment was abbreviated, was even avoided in, in district, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So there are lawsuits pending. Mm hmm. Take us backwards to the ballot initiative. The first pass, I know probably, um, like we see up here in Tallahassee, big monopoly investor-owned utilities trying to take over is nothing new. And there's been conversations about that going back decades. But in terms of our current iteration of where we are, what was the first pass? I think this was 2018. Yes. What was that pass like? And tell us about some of the sides and what the process was of uh, a privatization effort of Gainesville's public utility. So that was another legislative move, again, from the Republican legislators who came in and put a ballot initiative on that would create an authority board. Mm -hmm. Um, There was different reiterations of who would appoint people to that authority, but it wasn't the people of Gainesville. And so that had to go on the ballot, and it was voted down, you know, two-thirds of the people supporting, saying, no, we want our city commission to control GRU. Mm -hmm. And the voters were clear. There was no swing involved there. What was some of the, so I didn't know actually that that was, I thought that might have been put on by petition. So even no. that involved a heavy hand of state legislative yes. process mm-hmm. involved in a decision. So so again, um, Gainesville is this little blue dot in North Florida. Yeah. You know, you have Tallahassee, you have Jacksonville, and then there's Gainesville, and then there's a sea of red. Mm-hmm. So we get more attention than we should. And especially with this latest redistricting, they've decided to cut us up as much as possible so we can get most amount of representation with the least amount of democratic seats available and so we have one minority access seat which is represented by Yvonne Hinson right now mm-hmm. we have two state senators because they literally cut the county in half mm-hmm. and now we've got two other state house seats besides Yvonne in the city or in the county and we've we've talked a lot about how the state government is this backwater yeah <laughs> I think is really out of step with what the average person in Florida wants and I think that where I'm from, where, where, where I live now and, and where you live, Tallahassee and Gainesville are perfect examples of this. 
when people live together and there's a well-defined community, they tend yes. to care about each other. They yeah. tend to have a more civic-minded, public sector-oriented point of view. Yeah. You have high levels of education in our areas, being mm-hmm. the flagship university, University of Florida. Yeah. Um, and here in FSU and Tallahassee. And Republican state legislators just absolutely hate areas like ours, don't they? Yeah. And it's very odd because they all come to Florida Gator Games. <laughs> they love to take pictures with the state-subsidized Heismans. I know. Um, so what was the, in 2018, that privatization... Failed. Failed. What was the margins there at the ballot box in 2018 elections? I believe it was 67% voted against it, but I could look it up. So a clear supermajority yeah, it wasn't close at all. does not... People, the people that live in Gainesville have clearly indicated they're not interested in the take, no. private takeover of their electric yes. utilities. And any politician who's talked about touching GRU has lost mm-hmm. in the last 10 years. It, you see their increasingly aggressive efforts to do this by hook or by crook, with or without the consent of the people that live in a community through the JEA scandal. Yes. In Jacksonville, um, they had kind of wisened up, uh, wised up to the fact that people aren't going to respond favorably to this on a straight up vote on the merits. So they began to, gosh, I believe um, even, I think there are allegations of, of bribery or inducements about city councilmen yes. being offered jobs to leave um, their positions on the city council, all sorts of things. You have outside of the sunshine decisions happening at yes. JEA. Yep. I think one of the state's largest public utility and the largest municipality in the state by land, huge, crucially important place. And so that ended in a, in a disaster. It defined the latter part of the Lenny Cray administration. I think in many ways, privatization of public utilities was rejected at the ballot box with yeah. the election of Donna Deegan Absolutely. and the rejection of Daniel Davis in this sort of chamber apparatus. Mm-hmm. And so here in Gainesville, they're they're getting aggra- even more aggressive and cutting out the people even more, huh? Yep. Yep. We're not even allowed to attend the hearing about bills about our own utility. It's wild. So a bill taking GRU away from the people of Gainesville advanced and was signed by this governor. Yeah, that's done. How is that feeling right now? Um, it, what is the, how has that felt? What are, what are the uh, consequences of that in the current Gainesville political Scene. Well, so what the bill did was it created a GRU authority, which made five-person board, which would oversee decisions about GRU. And so what you had is last week, Governor DeSantis appointed the first three people to that board, even though all five were supposed to be in place by October 1st, mm. we only have three. And so the bill language is very clear that only one person can live outside the city limits. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it looks like DeSantis has appointed three people who live outside the city limits. And so now it's put our entire, you know, government in flux because we don't know if these people are valid or not because there are state statutes saying very clearly how appointments are supposed to be handled. And DeSantis didn't follow the rules about appointments or the rules about this new bill. And so it makes anything that they're trying to do hard, which is why I think they're getting to talk about just revoking our charter. So our, our law enforcement, our, our, our law enforcement heavy law and order governor uh, brazenly breaking the requirements of state statute with these appointments. Yeah. What so else do- in order to have an appointment, you have to put up a public notice. Mm-hmm. You have to take applications. There's a 30 day window, all of these things. And they've ignored public records requests from the city and press about the process again. So it's one of those things. It's all done in the shady dark and it's not following the law what do we know um 
about about some of these appointees that evidently don't live in the service area, don't live in the in the in the appropriate area inside Gainesville. Um, they're pretty random. Um, one of the guys has a bunch of YouTube videos where he teaches people how to pickpocket. <laughs> That's so a little on the nose. Not think? really sure how he knows how to run a public utility, but you know he sells arms. I think he's an arms dealer. Okay. Yeah, there's a CEO of the hospital who lives miles and miles out of town. So it seems a bit random. So I don't know if these people applied. I don't know if they were just picked out of a hat. Mm -hmm. So again, this process has to follow certain state statutes and none of those were followed. So um, I would imagine one of the biggest um, outcomes that would be affected in terms of local government as it relates to this public owned utility, there's a transfer um, yep. of, of utility revenue that goes into the city's coffers yes um we know that they have played games trying to limit those transfers uh, numerically and the sort of method of them and that kind of thing but um where the rubber meets the road for city commissioners and the in the in the gainesville mayor right is there's got to be there's got to be shortfalls or potential um increases in, in millage rates that are being considered what is that looking like right now is there... so that passed we've increased taxes i believe seven percent or eight percent i don't remember i'll have to look but we definitely had to increase passes with increased taxes with the budget that just passed mm -hmm. because of all this influx and are you all anticipating getting i guess the utility transfers are officially over oh we're unsure okay i see so we're unsure again this new board was supposed to be in place last week only half of them are there and we don't know if they're legit so now there's not even anyone to ask questions of a lot of people myself included um and pardon my ignorance that you, you live and breathe this stuff every day okay. i'm uh, nibbling around the edges from what i see but um there was supposed to be um as part of this um some recourse in the city charter yes about the potential a lot of people saw this as a pretext for a sale yeah. of this public asset to uh, an investor-owned utility where does that it seems like but there's charter language that would seem on its face to prevent that yeah what does that take us to this phase of this uh, struggle? so we have clear language in our charter that any sale of assets such as our, you know, we have a biomass plant, we have a couple other power generating stations. Anything you're gonna sell has to go to ballot initiative and it has to go straight to the voters. Mm -hmm. So that's something not even the city commission could do without talking to the voters. We don't know if the authority can come in and change that. Right. So that was one of those things. This is a very poorly written bill mm -hmm. because the bill came in and changed part of our city charter to create this authority. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a lot of questions because they didn't address everything. And so it's one of those things. Lawyers have been looking at it. There's lawsuits on just like how to implement this bill. And there's no clear implementation plan to solve those discrepan dis discrepancies. Right. So we don't know. The charter says we can't sell without a referendum. I don't know if they have the authority to change that or not. So let's say everything remains in place. Other things are equal. This board eventually gets a quorum and eventually yeah. <laughs> is bound to provide uh, to comply with the law. And this board of state government patsies, what it seems to be in my view, yeah. decides they want to sell. Right now, y'all's presumption would be that still has to go to a referendum and that would likely be defeated by the voters in Gainesville, would it not? Yes. 
That is the assumption. So, of course, the state government will listen to the voices of the majority, won't they? They wouldn't try to play games with the city charter, would they? Oh, this big government, you know, governor that we have mm -hmm. that doesn't want to listen to the people or, you know, small government. Hmm. No, what? I don't think so. I think they're going to come in and try to take over. A few weeks back, uh, we had a guest, Jason Garcia, on the show who said that Governor DeSantis being vanquished in his grandiloquent plans to be the president uh, would come back. And I think some person said, you know, uh, come back, come home drunk and kick the dog around, you know, uh, that yes. sort of thing. Yes. And he even speculated out loud um, plans to potentially abolish a blue municipality. We were talking about pushback in, um, in, in, in Key West. But it seems like, as always, the far-off, uh, absurd future in Florida is always uh, closer than it appears. It seems like DeSantis is one who's going to test his limits. So, and with a hand-picked Supreme Court, I don't know what checks he has because the legislature is not really interested in checking his power. So, so basically where we are, is it, is it true, the rumors, that we're hearing that there might be draft proposed bill language that would effectively abolish the city of Gainesville it would revoke what? our charter yeah so yes absolutely that is what multiple people have confirmed a flagship region uh home of probably one of the most successful land-grant colleges one of the most yep. iconic brands cities in the state of Florida beloved by millions yeah uh, and, and uh, again there's quite a few state legislators who come up for gator games yes we and see I, them drunk on university. And I, I, I always enjoy my own times in Gaines, Vegas. Um, tell us about where people are at with the potential to, to basically disincorporate the city of Gainesville. What's going on? What do we know? So right now it's just rumors, but that's how the GRU bill started. Again, mm -hmm. with just Clemens introducing a placeholder bill that didn't have the real language. He obviously has the playbook to do that exactly the same way again which completely cut out consulting with anyone in the city of Gainesville so I imagine if he does do it he will do it the exact same way where nobody knows what's going on nobody knows the exact bill language until the last possible minute which is a few days before it has to be heard with a local committee in the legislature and then it's just done and then it goes in a consent bill in the Florida house and there's nothing you can do at that point hiding the ball yeah uh, avoiding um all scrutiny and input from the public until the very last. Running moment. and hiding. Yeah. It's um, like you're playing football and they just take the ball and they're like, here, we're just going to sit on the end zone with it and pretend like you're scoring every five minutes. Yeah. So um, what are what is the prognosis here? What what would happen like physically, like like practically? What happens if the state of Florida does, in fact, go forward with the plan to revoke this well-known, long-standing city's municipal charter. So there's no examples out there. There are cities who have surrendered their charters, mm -hmm. like Hampton was a famous case a few years ago. I think Port Ritchie yeah. uh, in, in Pasco disinnexed But surrendering your charter is very different than right. having it revoked. Yes. So Clemens has... So this is uncharted territory. I've literally never seen this before in modern times. Yeah. Not in the state of Florida. Um, Clemens has talked a lot. Clemens was a member of our county commission, and he's talked several times in meetings that he wants to create a system like you have in Duval in the city of Jacksonville, where they're all one entity. Mm -hmm. Problem is, you have some pretty large cities in Alachua County who aren't really for this plan. Mm -hmm. 
and there's not a great way to implement it because again you have a utility you have lots of different things you've got the university of florida so you're going to have to go and restructure everything about the government if you do this yeah so i imagine that at first everything that belongs to the city of gainesville will just go to the county Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's deci- trying to decide if he wants to propose where we make a city and county together and make it just huge council. There's lots of options. And again, shady in the dark. You don't really know what's coming. There so. are. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it'd be an interesting political science experiment. I but know. as always, we're, we're not going to be having some enlightened experiment that's informed by the people that live or there. Or even a discussion. Like, if yeah. we were having an open discussion about this where we could do research and say, like, here are examples and here's ways that we could do it and build it together. But again, he's talking with no one from our county commission or our city. So you're talking about places way out. And I love Alachua. Uh, you know, I love the ACRs. I love the folks out in... Stark and Newberry, Newberry. and some of, the, yeah. some of these places out there. Um, but they're very different from Gainesville. Yeah. They have different needs. Mm-hmm. They have different considerations. They have different capacities. Just to spell it out for us, why would it be bad for people in Gainesville? And why would it be bad for local democracy um, if, this, if this municipality were essentially uh, obliterated by the state government? So it's one of those where if the bill decided to wipe out all of the small municipalities in the county and create one large board, obviously you would be losing voices. Because right now the city of Newberry has its own, you know, commission. It has its own mayor. It has a different way of electing their mayor. Mm -hmm. So their mayor doesn't have a vote there. And so he can go and talk to everyone, which is something that they're very accustomed to here. Mm -hmm. It's, they have different districts, they have different needs. And so it's going to restructure all of your fire. This would do away with Gainesville Police Department and make everything part of the county. And so you're talking about, you know, completely restructuring your fire services, everything. And so it would just be chaos for a little bit while. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a huge. And I think your representation is just going to suffer. Yeah. Because right now, all of these small municipalities do have their own form of government and they have the ability to make their own decisions. And that's what the governor and his posse is trying to do, is take away people's ability to make decisions. It seems like there's just this lack of tolerance for regional difference that we've seen. They, yeah. It seems like this governor in this, you know, in my view, <laughs> extreme right-wing redneck legislature wants to flatten out everything that's cool and interesting and variegated about Florida. Yeah. Um, and just make it one big exurb uh, mm-hmm. that, that watches Fox News at night. And it really has negative consequences, I think, on the state. I think that, you know, this is more of a a comment than a question, but it just seems to me like when people think about Florida and what's great about Florida, they do think about our cool universities like UF. They do think about interesting areas along in in South Florida and and, and places like Orlando. Um, And there's all sorts of great natural regions and, and, and Republican exurban and rural areas as well and that's part of the rich tapestry of florida so because florida has this diverse background all of these small towns have their own flavor like gainesville has a very distinct you know culture yeah and it's very different than tampa it's very different than orlando Mm -hmm. and even tallahassee i would say we're worlds apart just because florida history has been built so differently Mm -hmm. and that's by design right that's how it should be yeah we're a home rule state we believe strongly. Are we in, anymore, in, Ryan? I, well, we, we're supposed I mean, to be. Yeah. 
and 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 we're supposed to that has been an orthodoxy going back a long time for decades and decades that we do accept some variation and lo- there's deference given to localities to govern themselves according to local customs and local needs yes and it seems like that's being you know really aggressively um played games with doesn't it these days yeah absolutely and you can't to me do that in a place like florida because we are so different you know pensacola is a completely different planet than miami mm-hmm. shoehorning that entire mega state with 20 plus million people yeah um into one very backwards in my view i think in a, an electoral backwater with a state government with very low levels of public engagement, very low levels of democratic legitimacy. If you look at the competition, yeah. the voting participation, um, we in have these a elections. one party rule here at this point, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And DeSantis, yes, managed to become king of that little party, yeah. but that's not the majority of Floridians. No. And I think that I, I've even seen private polling, right track, wrong track wise, that says DeSantis underwater. Yeah. Um, people think that the state government is going in the wrong direction with them, some of this extreme stuff. And yet some of the points of light and points of contrast are being sort of snuffed out. Yeah. I mean, even the whole Trump DeSantis battle, you know, those polling numbers are very interesting in Florida right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would bet you that a, a great deal, probably a vast majority of Florida Republicans prefer Trump to DeSantis, don't they? The polling would suggest that. Yeah. Um. So... You know, instead of accepting that and instead of leaving to others what belongs to others and having a sort of managed, uh, uh, this sort of a a managed of tiered out and locally deferred to governments the way that a state is supposed to work, we're all trying to, this this extreme state government is trying to to jam everything down. um, To crush the competition so they can't fight back. Like that is their goal. They don't want you to have the ability to say no. Mm or to want something else. You know, it's the opposite of freedom. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. If you appreciate the show and you want to support what we're doing, consider joining awesome person Ariel Stevenson and becoming a patron. Um, Ariel covers music for Creative Loafing in Tampa. She sells records in St. Pete and generally covers the life of Florida in her work. She's the kind of person that makes me feel good about Florida and helps me know for sure that a better Florida is possible. We appreciate her support and yours. Um, If you'd like to sign up and and support the show, go to tropicaldepressionfl.com or patreon.com slash tropicaldepression. Thanks a lot, and um, here we are back to the show. The, you know, I, I debated uh, the vice the vice chair of the state party a few weeks back yes, at Tiger Bay, and, and and the number one uh, the the chair of the state party says that his goal is zero Democrats in the state of Florida. Yeah, uh, this eliminationist approach, which yes. recalls sort of political genocide, um, and I think we're seeing this enacted specifically. So I wanted to move to a question of the districts, uh, yeah. the games that people are playing with districts. Yeah, we know that we're just a few weeks away from a federal court finding that uh, Governor DeSantis's maps were inappropriate, illegally, racially gerrymandered out black political participation um, in North Florida. Yep. Um, 
we know that you have a depressing um, impact on voter participation when you have less competition. We yes. know that when people don't believe that they have an ability to elect somebody of their choice, people tend to be turned off in, in general yep. um, from voting and participating in public. So that takes us to these districting games that Republicans are now playing. Where I live here in Tallahassee and where you live, um, talk to us about last cycle's saga of the county district's Republican uh, local plot that they uh, enacted. So our county commission had five at-large seats. And so they were all elected by the whole county. Mm -hmm. And so we had the state legislature again come in and put on a ballot referendum that would change it to single-member districts. And so it was one of those things. We had three or four polls. No one was interested in doing this. Nobody understood why, you know, you would possibly want to go to single member districts. And so it was very unpopular, except when the head of the local Republican Party, Stafford Jones, came in and he found an old ruling from the NAACP that said single member districts are the only way to get minority representation. And he says at large was attacking minority representation, even though in Alachua County we've always had african-american representation on our county commission i think over half our county charters our constitutional officers rather are mm -hmm. black mm -hmm. so it's one of those where we had no trouble with minority representation and yet there were hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of mailings and radio ads and television ads saying you know we were all racist because we had these at-large districts and so it won by the skin of its teeth by 1500 votes you know, is fifty one forty nine, and now we have single member districts for the first time going into twenty twenty four. How is that um, looking to play out? Well, you've definitely seen a drastic change in our county commission. Right now, they're all infighting because it's districts, and no one knows how it's going to play. And so, you have a bunch of people who are kind of feeling out. And so, we have had a lot of local issues. And so, we have, excuse me. We will see how it plays out as we get to the primaries. And so it looks like there's a couple interesting primaries lining up. So we'll see if that has a change in our county commission. So overall, you have a tactic of basically right-wing Republicans concerned trolling about minority participation. Yes. Which historically they have which if you'll, been the executioners of. Literally, yeah. with this congressional seat, you can see that these exact same people are diminishing North Florida's ability to And it's the exact Democrats. same people. So Stafford Jones was just called out in Duval County for playing the same games up there with some seats mm -hmm. where he's, you know, concerned trolling Democrats, saying you should be worried about this when he's really just trying to spread misinformation. We're seeing a similar effort uh, here in the city uh, yeah. where local, there's a, a uh, far-right extremist, Moms for Liberty pundit, called Steve Stewart, oh. who had been uh, posting on Twitter years ago, years and years ago, about um, with, with our local GOP chair about how we need districts out of the city. Oh, okay. Uh, because, of course, big money in elections and for diversity, yeah. you know, things so, that they care about so much. remind me, all of your districts are at large, right? So, yeah, Tallahassee uh, has uh, five city commissioners all elected at large. Okay. And, you know, notably, we've had uh, our last mayor was a black man, Andrew yep. Gillum. The mayor before him was also black, John Marks. Yeah. Um, I think almost all, uh, a vast majority of our countywide constitutional officers are African-American. Electing African-Americans uh, has not been an issue in Leon County in Tallahassee. Yeah. 40% currently of our city commission is African-American. 
which is considerably more than the level of African-American political participation in the city in, in general. So the same far-right DeSantis state government yep. is trying to tell locals what they ought to do and not do and interject strongly and intervene in their, the course of their local affairs, trying to systematically uh, district or undistrict local governments that should be best left to the people that live there. Under the guise of increasing representation, which if they were really worried about increasing representation, you'd think that they would draw fair districts. Just so icky uh, in general, the way that they're doing it. And yet you've got a legislative body, a state government body that isn't, that their own house is far from in order as well. Uh, Enter the Don't Say Gay Bill. Oh, yes. Right. I know that this has gotten a lot of attention in Gainesville. Um, the Gainesville uh, Alachua County School District has taken up a recent challenge or a recent complaint on this on the Dunsegay Bill. And, well, and t- tell us where we are in terms of this landmark, nationally known DeSantis sponsored legislation, and, and and where where things are in terms of that. I don't know if they took it up, and so a parent turned in a series of questions. And so under the Parents' Rights Bill, which is the other name for the Don't Say Gay Bill, you can question anything and you can demand answers. It's more power than a public records request because there's a specific timeline. And so you have to turn in those questions to your superintendent who has 10 days to answer. And what happened in Alachua County is the superintendent just didn't answer the questions. What we had in Alachua County was there was a parent who turned in a complaint about a certain club at Gainesville High School. And the club was taking invitations and picking students to be part of the club. And they were only picking picking black boys. And so the parent was asking, hey, who approved this? Because it you know breaks multiple state and federal laws about discrimination. So in order for them to follow the bill, you have to turn in a series of questions to your local school superintendent who's given 10 days. And if the questions aren't addressed in that 10-day period, it automatically goes before the local school board. So that is what happened in Alachua County. The parent introduced this series of questions, and then it was just never addressed. It was never addressed by the superintendent. It was never addressed by the school board. And so you have this you know, headline-making bill, which I would argue has been one of the biggest bills to come out of the legislature of in the course. last couple sessions. Everyone around the country is talking about the Don't Say Gay bill. And we found you can just have something agended at your local school board, and they can do nothing, and it follows the bill. Mm-hmm. So they're not out of line. But it's definitely not the intention. So we're going to see how Governor DeSantis reacts to that. What's possible? What are the what are the um, what are the sort of contingency of what's possible around challenges to don't say gay? So there's none. This was the first one to come before a school board in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. and so we don't know. There's nothing in the bill that says what happens if they don't address it. There's no recourse there, mm-hmm. and so the governor's going to have to come in and decide like. Is the superintendent following the law? Is the school district following the law? And then what are the possible consequences? But we know that our governor tends to overreact and take a personal hand. What do you expect? Do you expect a legislative fix? Or do you think that uh, this ambiguity is kind of just intentional? It seems like some people believe that they pass these kind of headline uh, making bills um, with broad sort of rulemaking gaps to just kind of create and instill like a culture of fear so that people just will be afraid to do anything that's outside of whatever the practice of those in power would want, right? Well, absolutely what they're doing in education right now is not explaining things. They're not explaining the implementation for all of the legislation that we're passing. Nobody in the state of Florida right now, 
now knows how to put in HB1. Like, yeah. we just don't know what we're doing there. And that's the so-called universal vouchers bill? Yeah, yeah. That allows private schools to accept subsidies up to $8,000 for uh-huh. uh, people that never had the intention of, yeah. uh, of entering the public schools. And so right now what they're doing is absolutely intentionally making it where it's impossible to implement these bills. Mm. Like, you don't know how to do it. They are giving no guidance. Usually you get a memo about how to implement these things, how to move forward for a local school district, and they're intentionally trying to create chaos in our public schools because they're trying to privatize the whole system. So where does this go? How can a breakdown and more people being disaffected, what happens? So that's, I think, what we have to see. You know, is the Department of Education going to come in and say, no, you're clearly trying to circumvent the law, which I would argue Alachua County is trying to department. do. The federal could come in, too, mm-hmm. and the state. Okay, so I see. It, either of them have a case because multiple rules have been broken. I see. So under the Parents' Rights Bill, Manny Diaz, who's the Commissioner of Education, could come in and say, hey, you're not following this. But the bill doesn't have specific, you know, things, repercussions. Mm-hmm. So it's just the sort of the specter. Chaos. Yeah. yeah. It's the specter of a threat of a heavy thumb, which Tallahassee, you know, these far right Republicans have expressed ample yeah. uh, enthusiasm for doing that. But people aren't, don't really have a clear, there's no clear explanation of what's right and what's wrong with these huge mega bills. Exactly. So it could be that these local school districts can just agenda complaints under the Don't Say Gay Bill and they don't have to do anything. Right. And I think there the entire legislation begins to fall apart, which I don't think would be a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. But that's why you write good bills. I think what we've seen in Tallahassee over the last few sessions is the bills are getting sloppier and sloppier and sloppier. I had my interns... It's just amateur hour up here, isn't it? Yeah. I had my interns go through and, you know, have a competition who could find the most grammar errors. And I mean, we were at 27 errors in one bill. Just grammar. Mm-hmm. Just grammar. And mm-hmm. it's like, guys, just spell check that joker. Especially as you see, you know, I, I, th- I talk to older Republicans sometimes. You know, I was a reporter for years, and I got to know a lot of sources that are Republicans, lobbyists in the process. And they universally say, you know, even if they toe the, the party line in public and they make the right contributions to the right political oh, yes. committees, yeah. they will privately grouse that today's Republican Tallahassee has no idea what it's doing. No, no. We used to have debate, right? You used to actually talk about these things. Even if there was a bill that you didn't agree with, you could sit in a committee and watch it get better as people began to flesh out the different points. And it was at least clear what it was trying to do. And now you have these vague bills that are impossible to implement that are just kind of peddling to the right. Mm-hmm. And they're just for show. They don't actually mean policy. So we know that... Any kind of challenge to something that's so arbitrary and just so, um, you know, just so clearly, um, you know, in- ignorant or insouciant or, or not regarding the the position of the most of, of the more, of more people of the majority, that's going to be unpopular in Gainesville and Tallahassee, and it is. Um, yeah. Folks at the local level, you know, you say Ron DeSantis, and people say, "Sign me up to vote for whatever the opposite of that is." Oh yeah. Um, they're going to continue to use the apparatus of the state to over um, reach and, and, and make these incursions and encroachments into local decision making. But for those of us who appreciate and love local decision making and home rule, what's left? What do we do besides fighting back at these um, bills at the legislative level like you do and your folks do? Um, what are 
what what can we do and, and what what's in the hopper for y'all in terms of fighting back at whether that's a city charter level or or, or county commission policies that can undo some of the stuff where are we in terms of that so right now there are a lot of lawyers involved so yeah. because we have such a bad bill that's poorly written we don't even know what we can do and we can't do mm-hmm. and so we're kind of waiting for a few lawsuits we just had a lawsuit on the state one on friday that didn't offer any guidance. The judge just kind of said, yeah, the state was right. And we're like, well, we had a, you know, pages and pages of questions and nothing was answered. Mm. And so you have problems. And so right now, I think we're going to have to rely on the judicial branch of government to kind of enforce our state and local issues, which has become an increasingly, you know, landmine with all the crazy judicial appointments that DeSantis has been doing. Is Florida... A failed state? Are the, the basic function of Florida? I think we're headed there. I mean, we are one party, you know, a few economic powers pulling the strings. And if our cities aren't allowed to have any say in their own governments, I don't think they should exist if they're just there for show. So, you know, obviously I think that the, the civics of respect for different branches of government that seems to have gone out the window yeah it seems what's left for us is challenging and contending for power at the state level right yes and so i think what we have to do is at some point someone at the florida democratic party is going to have to figure out how to register voters because that's something we failed at for the last few cycles and everybody talks about what a problem it is it's actually a really big problem because republicans are out there registering massive amounts of voters mm-hmm. and we have to go out there and do the same thing and any other attempts to try to you know flip things grow things doesn't happen and we don't register those voters mm-hmm. so that's number one i think we're looking at new congressional seats i think with this lawsuit i don't know if it'll come in time for this cycle but we are going to get some seats redrawn mm-hmm. right now there are dozens of legislative seats that we could contend in and they are without candidates Mm -hmm. and so we have made such a toxic environment that we are having a hard time talking people into running yeah that's going to be a big problem as someone myself you have recruited and filed and worked with tons of candidates at that level i too it was my i was at house victory in the 2018 cycle it was my job to go and, and, and and it's even gotten harder since then and we i found that it is hard you know, you're talking about someone like an attorney or an, a, a small business owner, um, a teacher. It's hard to get somebody to, it's hard to convince somebody to schlep themselves up to Tallahassee to come yeah. be on the on the business end of this stuff. So again, you have to have close to a part-time job because you've got to be able to take your six weeks off for session and plus some more for the committee weeks. Mm-hmm. You've got to, you know, either live on that $23,000 a year or have another source of income, which usually means you have to run your own business. That rules out a lot of normal people. Like you can't have a normal job and do this. And as a result, we have a bunch of rich people who don't have to rely on that $23,000 a year for their main source of income. What are state legislators like? We'll talk, just talk about the ones in your area. Yvonne Henson is great. Yeah. The, the majority of those a- that, are, that, that are making these decisions, what are the people, what is the actual, what is the content? Of their character. What are these people like? And we can talk about Rep Pence and I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no. I mean, right now we have such a variety. We have Keith Perry, who's in charge of K-12 education in the state of Florida and has never been to college. Mm-hmm. Um, he owns a roofing company, which he founded with a loan from his father. And so it's one of those people they've never had to worry about how to put money on the table. They've always been rich and privileged. 
you know, Chuck Clemens is a very... If you Senator Perry... Uh, <laughs> I think we he, all know Senator Perry. He, he is known for... Most Most people would know him if they're scrolling through the annals of uh, Florida politics history for uh, an altercation involving a, a yard sign, as I recall. Yeah, he punched a man in the face because he moved his yard sign on game day. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it was so, fun. So good time. So that's, that's him. And Chuck Clemens uh, is the one who is most people expect to try to make this full frontal assault against yes. the people of Gainesville. And he and Perry work in, co- you know, unison. Mm-hmm. But Clemens is the brains mm-hmm. of that operation. I think we all know if you've met Senator Perry. And he was a former Alachua County Commissioner. He was. Chuck Clemens. Yes. He, 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 in many ways, is he kind of the the villain of Alachua politics? Or? I think so. Mm. I think so. He's one of those. He's done little to ingratiate himself. And he was literally, he was probably the um, the hatchet man taking away GRU, right? Yep. And now is threatening to basically disincorporate a very old and well-known municipality. Yeah, and again, he's Paul Renner's right hand right now. Mm-hmm. So, Who else we got? Who are the men and women running uh, the show for our, our great state government? Um, well, we have Chuck Brannon. He's got a larger chunk now. He gets a little bit into the city of Gainesville. And so those are kind of the three, but Chuck Brannon's one of those. He's not leadership. He doesn't really matter as much as the other big two. Backbencher. But we have Jennifer Bradley as our other state senator. Uh-huh. So she took her seat from her husband. I'm sure we all remember Rob Bradley. Oh, yes. And so she's one of those. She's never shown up to the city of Gainesville. She just had her first meeting with our mayor. She's never held a town hall. She... Tries to avoid Gainesville as much as she can, even though she represents everything north of University Avenue. Absentee leadership for Gainesville, just absolutely taking a hacksaw to its uh, its rights and privileges. Yeah. Um, as as a place, as a, as a key place, and I think you know this this kind of stuff is really threatens to take Florida out of the mainstream um, yeah. among our peer states. I know that you've seen surveys. I'm sure with United Faculty of Florida and other absolutely. places, teachers. Um, and and uh, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the UF politics right now. Like, yeah, that's oh, that's right. Other... University of Florida, uh, <laughs> led by former Nebraska hardcore rock rib right wing Senator Ben Sass. I mean, how has that been feeling? Luckily, awful, awful. Like Gainesville used to be part of our community, and now the entire leadership. I mean, most of his cabinet doesn't live in the city anymore. Wow. So they live out of state. The leadership for the University of Florida now lives out of state. We see this, right? So they, there's an antagonism, and they just can't bear it. And, and eventually, they're, they're building workarounds and just trying to get around. Yeah. Eventually, the real bane of the existence of the right-wing agenda in places like Tallahassee and Gainesville are the people who live here. Isn't I that know. something? They're going to come after us, Ryan. <sighs> um, any interesting opportunities for pickups in your neck of the woods in 2024 ballot? Well, see, um, House District 22, which is Chuck Clemens' seat, is open. So we're going to see what's going to happen there. I hear an interesting primary shaking, shaping up. Mm-hmm. So other than that, you know, Keith Perry's Senate seat is also open, but they've drawn it so that no Democrat has a chance ever. So we'll see if we can find a sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Stan McLean's going to be a state senator there. He was the state rep who tried to make it illegal for girls to talk about their periods in school. So God bless him. What, um... It's funny. My last, I, I was the sort of the good cop. I was the optimist on the last issue, uh, this the, the last episode of this podcast with a more black pilled 
uh, uh, co-host. What give, what what are some of the victories that y'all have won locally in Gainesville, and why should people be fired up to 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 push back and participate in democracy in Gainesville? So DeSantis came after our school board pretty hard in 2022. We had four seats on the ballot, and we managed to keep three of those. So that's pretty great. We still have a blue city commission, and we still have a blue um, county commission. So it's one of those, like, we've had this onslaught. We've had all this dark money. We'll see what happens in single-member districts, but I have faith that we'll still stay our little blue dot in the sea of red that is North Florida. Mm -hmm. So it's good. I think we still have to fight back. I mean, you can give up, but at the end of the day, home rule still matters. Local decisions still matter. And being having elected officials close to the people they represent is still what our founding fathers always wanted. You can find that in all of our founding documents as you know, a nation, not just the state of Florida. Yeah, we know that the sort of 10th Amendment extremist absolutists that say uh, that non-enumerated powers are, are, are reserved by the states or to the people. They seem to forget about that or, or to the people, to the people. Part, right? Yeah. Um, well, we'll continue to keep um, tabs on what's going on in Alachua County in Gainesville. Um, we'd love to have you again on uh, the pod sometime, Katie. Thanks for stopping by. Sounds great. Mixed drinks out of broke coconut bowls, we wildin'.